Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum Podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This is a very special bonus episode because I'm discussing Netflix 2022 slasher film Texas Chainsaw Massacre, directed by David Blue Garcia. It stars Sarah Yarkin, Elise Fisher, Mark Burnham, Jacob Lattimore, Mo Dunford, Owen Fuhr, Elise Cridge, Jessica, Allen, and Neil Hudson. I'm Jesse, I'm here solo, and I'm gonna give you a warning. This is gonna be filled with spoilers. So if you wanna check out this sequel to the 1974 classic film, I give us a pause, come back a bit later on because this is going to get into it very, very quickly. We start off our show with the Fast Flicks where we do a quick little summary of what the film's all about. So this one is, it's a group of hipster youths that want to revitalize a town, but awaken a monster in doing so. So nice little uh, teaser there for you if if you're not sure about what this one's about, but we do like to sort of uh, have a look at how this all came together, I guess, and how it ended up on Netflix. So this is a direct sequel to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974, and it's actually the ninth installment from this franchise. This picks up several decades after the original film, and and because of that, there are some characters in here that you might recognize from some of the original films. Um, Sally is, I guess, spoiler alert for the original film, is the only survivor from the original one. And unfortunately, um, Marilyn Burns, who played her, passed away in 2014, so she wasn't able to reprise or um, come back and do that role again. So she's been replaced, but she's in this one. And I think that um, it's it's one of the, the films that 2017, Leatherface, they, they had plans for more sequels. Um, Lionsgate had five more ready to go. However, they lost the rights uh, due to the time it took to release it. So Legendary acquired the rights. Um, they got some new producers on board, co-wrote a film. Um, the duo filmmakers, Ryan and Andy Tohill, they were initially signed on to direct it, but they were replaced um, with Garcia due to massive creative differences. So filming actually took place in Bulgaria in August of 2020. And apparently this is the first film to hold a test screening post the COVID-19 pandemic. And I think that um, it's quite interesting sort of, I guess that uh, Netflix got it, their hands on it because uh, Legendary Pictures after these test screenings um the that was pretty disastrous test screenings so i said uh we can't really see a release for this let's get it on somewhere else and, and that's exactly what happened so i think that um garcia the director whose previous work um sort of revolves around texas and the border sort of ideas too says that he didn't want this film to make a statement on any of the political issues that are on the table and i think it's an interesting quote uh, because there is quite an attempt at times to be a little bit political and we'll probably talk about that a bit later on with the themes the tagline for this one it's a big one it's uh in 1974 the world witnessed one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of american history in 2022 the face of madness returns. It's almost like a huge, big sentence. <laughs> so a uh, good one. The other thing I like to sort of touch on are the translations across the world. So in Japan, this is called Leatherface Returns. And in Vietnam, the funniest one, it's called Death of the Texas Region. Uh, I think some issues there with the translation. It's important to note that uh, I'm recording this under 24 hours from the release. So um, 18th of Feb 2022 is when it hit Netflix. And it's hard to get a, a a consensus I guess on what people are saying at this stage but so far Rotten Tomatoes it sits at Rotten on 38% that's on 56 reviews the audience has it at 50% that's on more than 100 and I guess a little bit higher on IMDB where nearly two and a half thousand audience members have got it at sitting at a 5.6 out of 10 and letterboxed sort of a bit lower again a 2.4 out of 5 on nearly 7,000 ratings so 
that will lead me into my early thoughts for this one. And unfortunately, um, I'm here to tell you that <laughs> this isn't very good. Um, the characters are pretty annoying and you don't really care what happens to them. And the situations, they're so predictable and any sense of fear is diluted. If you're into horrific death scenes, this might be for you. And um, as I said earlier, I'm going to continue to spoil it because we start off talking about some of the characters. So Mel, um, I guess she's the, the main character that we follow. And... Um, She's the one that they sort of show to have a conscious, I guess, and she wants to do the right thing all the time. She feels empathy, looks out for her sister um, and others, um, but more so than not, she comes across as just the annoying crier, the one that's always got that uh, look on her face of fear and, and super annoying. And I think this was probably miscast a lot of these these performances. Um, um, yeah, and so not much more to say on her really. And uh, Lila is the other one, or Lila, um, dealing, and this is a tricky one, I'll go into the themes a bit later, but she's dealing with the trauma of being involved in a school shooting and needs her sister to be there to look after her. I guess this is this is about her trying to break loose of that and thinking in the back of her mind that people want her to do something special. Um, but in the back of her mind, she thinks that she should have died at this school shooting that happened. And I guess that sort of leads again into some of the themes that we'll talk about a bit later on, but I'm not 100% sure they were on the mark with trying to incorporate this into the film. Um, Leatherface is is the villain, the one that we, we need to see. And I guess Dante is the only other real character who's the brains trust because everyone else, it's a horror film. <laughs> they don't have much to them. They're there to get killed pretty much and that's it. The director, David Blue Garcia. This is only his second feature after Triano. Um, a lot of cinematography work, but not too much else um, there really to talk about. So that'll lead us into the scene. So some things that I enjoyed in this, I guess the opening montage was really good. It gets the audience up to date with what happened in the original. Short, sharp, sweet, good job with that. Um, the other thing I won't go into detail about, but there's a, a massacre on a bus. I think that's probably the iconic moment of this film. So when that comes, um, you know what I mean. Uh, and I guess it's it's nice to see Leatherface actually using the chainsaw as a, a killing mechanism. And uh, towards the end, he, he runs at Sally and sort of tears her apart. And um, that was, that was um, one of the okay sort of kill scenes, I guess. And and the final thing is that the final sh shot of the film Um uh, in, in the car, there's a car driving off and Lila is screaming from the back and, and it's exactly the same shot as the, the conclusion of the original film. So a nice touch to connect the two together, I guess. Unfortunately, we're <laughs> going to talk about some things that I didn't really like. And I think it's a fine line um, to to put in dialogue to, to progress a story. But this line for me, um, it's not easy to locate someone if they're wearing a mask. It's just like... <laughs> I mean, we've all been wearing masks for the last few years and we can still identify people. So I think it's a bit of a, a stupid comment there. Um, I guess the, there's a character called Richer um, who's sort of like the boy bloke with guns and stuff. And they introduced him at a gas station with lots of dick jokes that were just really lame. I think um, I had to look this one up because I think her name was Ruth, the blonde haired character. Um, as you're watching and I watch films with subtitles on and on the subtitles, just referred to her as like the girl or Dante's partner um, on the subtitle. So you knew early on that she wasn't going to have a very good ending in this film, I guess. Uh, and then, you know, the, the constant, the rain's coming, the rain's coming. Just such an obvious motif of danger's coming. There's going to be something bad that's going to happen. So that was quite funny. Um, another thing, so there's a scene where Mel um, goes looking for her sister, Lila, and sees her coming out of the bathroom at Rich's place. And just there's this insinuation that they had sex. So I had no idea where that came from. There was no other um, connection that she was promiscuous or anything like that. So that 
was just a bit out of a uh, left center. Uh, Mel, the character, just crying all the time, sobbing, tears, just lame. Uh, and then Dante, uh, his death scene, like he pretty much bleeds out, but then he gets up and walks around. It was just, just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, continuing on, Mel, there's a scene where she's trying to get away from Weatherface and she like sort of climbs over the staircase to try and walk down the railing. It was just a, a funny look because it was never going to end well. Uh, I think, uh, again, Sally, the, the character from the original film, she confronts uh, Leatherface in the room with a gun and then just lets him walk past her. And then, so he goes all the way down the staircase, out of the house, down to the street to Lila and Mel. And this all happens before she threatens to shoot him again. Just real sloppy, real sloppy. Uh, another real thing that annoyed me was on the car, they kept setting it to autopilot. I don't know about the car that you drive, but for me, it's called cruise control. Autopilot is for a plane. Just stupid. And and finally, there's a post-credit scene. If you want to hang around to watch it, you can, but it's just pointless. We already know the Leatherface is still alive, so waste of time. All right, themes, some ideas in this one. So the big thing in this is gentrification, I guess, and, and the idea of capitalism. They're, they're kicking people out of their homes. They're redeveloping. They're auctioning off land and property to those who have the cash or the influence. And, and that would be a really good tone for the film but it sort of introduces it and lets it go like they do with most most things and i guess the other one is race um you know you have cops pulling dante over they have confederate flags you have Ginny talking about taking care of boys like you they're just things that are dumped in there to make it seem like it's a woke film they don't actually do anything with it i mean if you let dante stay alive and, and make it to the end maybe they do work but frustrated me a little bit um Social media, another thing that I guess a lot of the characters always on their phones, they're recording everything, even you know when they're about to die. So just a little thing on that. And, and I've touched on this too, the idea of school shootings, gun violence, the idea of resilience and survival and trauma, dealing with the past. Again, it's, it's tied in there, but they don't really do anything with it. So it's hard to say that, you know, that's what they were aiming for. They just didn't do it very well. Uh, so what did I take away from this one? I think that they give you a good enough reason for revenge for Leatherface. But other than that, this doesn't break the mold of a horror film at all. It's just, it's an easy watch, but you're not going to take too much away from it. Um, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> um, IMDb, sometimes we, we jump onto IMDb to, to check anyone out that we may recognise. Um, this one I didn't recognise as I was watching, but as I was looking at the cast list, um, Jacob Lattimore, I was like, I remember. Um, so the, the guy that plays Dante. I was like, ah, I remember that name from one episode we did a long time ago. So there's a Netflix film called Candy Jar, and he's the, the kid in that. So a nice little flicks forum connection there for you. All right. Uh, the only other, I just wanted to ponder a question. So we find out that the chainsaw that is going to be used has been hiding or they've placed it inside the walls. I'm guessing that a lot of people have a chainsaw. So I'm not sure that you necessarily needed to build a house or hide it behind walls. Just a random, random thing. <laughs> okay, I'm ready to wrap this one up. So I think um, the positive for this is it's got a good runtime. It's nice and short. If it had gone any longer, it would have been almost unbearable. It's not a complete disaster, but it's incoherent. There's lots of ideas with none given the actual follow through that they really need. So some impressive kill scenes, if that's the sort of thing you're into, I'm giving it a two out of five. So we're on social, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Question on there is, the original film, one of the all-time great horror films. Is that is that what you classify it as? I, I'm not sure it's in my top 10, so um, we'd like to hear what you think. And as always, we do appreciate you listening. We have a huge back catalogue, nearly 200 episodes. So if there's a Netflix film that you, you've enjoyed, we've probably done an episode. So go check it out. And other than that, I will see you next time. <laughs>